You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. I'm just going to unzip if you don't mind. <clears throat> Are you good with that? Are you good with that? You good with that? Come on. Blasphemy. No, come on. Now, this is a participatory church. So just as you cheered for Who Day, you're going to engage with me as we get into the Word of God. But before we do that, uh, I saw this on social media. I, I just... Uh, Normally, I don't quote what we see on social media, but um, in light of Who Day and the Bengals going to uh, do some damage tonight, we pray. Uh, By the way, if any Rams fans are here, we are going to have an altar call at the end of the service. We want to transform your life. Uh, (laughs) But if you look in the Bible through all the scriptures, you don't see the Bengals anywhere, nowhere you look through the Bible, you see the rams all over the Bible. And every time you see the rams, they're meant to be slaughtered. Come on. No, no, I, you know, guys, we just want to be real. And uh, you Bengals fans have not been able to do this in church for 30 some years. So um, I just thought I'd uh, celebrate and, and give that an opportunity. But in light of the Super Bowl, and I don't know if you've been watching the Winter Olympics, I think the Bengals have kind of taken over our attention from the Olympics, but um, just, if you were to just literally study and get to know these athletes and to even see the behind the scenes footage of the years of discipline, the years of training and practice, you wouldn't be able to deny their focus. These professional athletes have such intense devotion to focusing on the prize. This focus in each athlete causes them to fix their eyes on the prize. What's the prize? Well, the medal podium, And tonight, the Lombardi Trophy. They've worked all season for the destination, the prize, the accolade, the standard. And their focus directs how they fix their eyes on the one thing, which then directs what? Their, yeah, their priorities their priorities, which then directs their disciplines and routines. Their focus impacts what they fix their eyes on. What they fix their eyes on influences their priorities. Their priorities then in order to be carried out, require, require, I didn't say determines because a lot of times we have priorities and we never fulfill them. But our priorities, when we're focused and we're intentional, 
will lead us to disciplines and routines that get us to the goal. And lastly, no athlete, unless they cheat and get away with it, no athlete gets to the winner's circle without intense devotion and focus. Would you agree? The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, with every ounce of breath in his lungs, he declared that we are running a race. He, he, he compares us to athletes. And he says, you're running the race. And so often the letters that Paul sends, sends to the different churches have this tone of a coach. And he says, why are you not running the race that you ran before? Why are you getting off course? Why are you slowing down and being distracted? You need to run the race that was set before you with endurance, fixing your eyes on Jesus. You see, obedience in following Jesus requires focus and intentionality and perseverance. We see perseverance in today's society as punishment from God. Wonder, I wonder if we flipped the tables in our lives and our perspective and we started to see the afflictions and the trials as not a punishment from God, but an absolute blessing and a gift. Because it's called to lead us to perseverance, to grow in endurance, to grow in self-discipline, humility, surrender, faith, and faithfulness. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three, thank you. One thing I do, I forget what lies ahead, or excuse me, what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the goal, the, the, the reward is the victory in Jesus that we have by receiving him, but so much more is when we leave this body of death and the death around us. You see, we're dwelling places for the Holy Spirit, but we're not perfected in the fullness of Christ yet. So our reward, what we're straining to is complete perfection and oneness with Jesus. The prize of the upward call, the prize. Not only are we going to get into heaven with welcome arms because Jesus bought it for you, but there will be also a judgment in front of God rewarding you for the faithfulness and the focus that you had in this life. So often we forget, we just think we're gonna escape the flames, but there will be a judgment for each believer and that judgment is what you did with every breath in your lungs that God gave you. It will either burn up or it will be rewarded. And those rewards will be laid right down at the feet of Jesus. And so the model that the apostle Paul followed and preached to the very bitter death the model that we see the early Christians, the new church, the first church ever that exploded because of the Holy Spirit coming 
and birthing the church that Jesus died for. What focus did the early church have? Well, their focus was Jesus, his teachings, and the eyewitness accounts of thousands to even hundreds of thousands of people. So if the focus of the early church was Jesus and his life, how much more should our focus here in 2022 be Jesus, his word, and his life? Jesus said in John 14, 6, say it with me, uh, not yet. John 14, 6, say it with me. I am the way, the and the He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He is supposed to be our focus. Paul says in Ephesians that Jesus is our full and complete standard of maturity and spiritual growth. So not only is he the way and he's the truth and he's the life, he is our standard in which we are to constantly grow up into. And then thirdly, He is the one in which we are being transformed into his image. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 through 18. So he's the way, he's the truth and the life. Are you following him? Are you focused on him? He is the full standard and measurement of maturity and spiritual growth. Are you reflecting maturity in Christ? And he is the one in which we are being transformed into his image. Ask your spouse later today in a very loving and gracious way. How are you looking more like Christ? Some weekends you're going to get one answer and some week you might get the other because we are broken and fleshly. But the goal is that we continue to grow from one step, one glory to the next. Ask those who know you most, have they seen a change in you? because we are to grow in him. That is to be our focus. And if Jesus is our model, friends, would you agree that he is your model in living? He is to be the Christian's focus in which we fix our eyes on him, correct? Who day? Okay, now you're here. He's to be our focus. Hebrews 12, one says, we are to run the race with endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You see, his focus, Jesus' focus was the kingdom of God. That's why he came, to bring the kingdom of God. How did he bring the kingdom of God? By dying on the cross so that you could be restored once and forever in the kingdom of God. And so if Christ focus was the kingdom of God. He also knew that the cross was his destination. And he was focused all the time on being with the Father. He knew what being with God completely in union looked like. And I'd like to look at that in John chapter 15. John Chapter 15, go ahead. If you have your Bibles, turn there. We're going to start in verse 1. And I tried uh, making the text uh, bangle orange today, but it, it kind of 
it wasn't uh, uh, bright enough to read, um, but I tried. So let's look at Jesus's words for you and me of what he says is to be our ultimate focus from moment to moment. Let's look at it. He says this, he's using the analogy of a tree. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may, be, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean. This is before he went to the cross. Because of the word that I have spoken to you. Could we read this together in yellow? Ready? Abide in me and I, come on, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you. Next. Unless you abide in me. So neither can you abide in the vine, remain in the vine unless you abide in me. Now that Greek word abide means to remain. Say remain. To remain, to stay, to not be severed from or disconnected from. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine and you are the branches. Here we go, ready? Whoever. For apart from me, disconnected from me, you can do absolutely nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide, remain, stay connected in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Here we go. Ready? By this. So I'm going to be speaking today to disciples followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I would love for you to just listen and hear what a life connected to and remaining in Jesus looks like. Many of you who maybe aren't followers of Jesus, you're not followers because what other followers has reflected of not abiding in the vine. When you don't abide in the vine, though you call yourself a Christian, you act like the world. You live like the world, you think like the world, and you follow the ways of the world. So for those who call themselves Christians and yet live like the world, I'm sorry. That was never the design that Jesus started, nor did he die on the cross for followers who just take on the form of godliness but deny its power thereof. Now for you, disciples... And followers of Jesus, this is a call to wake up. You want to see blessings in your life? You want to see other people see Jesus in your life? You want your marriages to thrive? You want your kids to grow up and thrive in their knowledge of Jesus Christ and serve God in whatever they do? Listen up. We have got to focus on this one thing of remaining in Jesus. We do everything else amazingly, but when it comes to sitting still and abiding in every area of our lives, we really struggle. 
You see, Jesus, Jesus knew everything about abiding. Not just because he was God in flesh, but because he had to surrender and sacrifice his flesh to remain in God, his father. He said all the time, me and my father are one. I never do anything that the father is not doing. There's many passages in the gospels that you will actually see where Jesus says, this is not why I came. Or he left the town because he says, God's calling me to the next. I came to bring the kingdom of God to seek and save the lost. He was focused on his mission. And in order for Jesus, son of God, yet in human form to fulfill the ministry, he needed not only the Father, he needed the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he was baptized. And when he was baptized, the sky split open, and like a dove, the Holy Spirit came down and remained upon Jesus and confirmed that he was indeed the Son of God and the Messiah. But it remained with him so that when Jesus went to the wilderness, he could withstand the temptation of the devil. He couldn't have done it without the Holy Spirit and the Father being present with them, the Trinity, the three in one. And then when he left the wilderness in the power of the Spirit, he couldn't do any single miracle, let alone open the ears and the eyes of the blind and open the spiritual ears of people to hear the word of God without the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was with and upon and within Jesus. Jesus had to abide. As we look to the Super Bowl, look at the Bengals. This, these last two weeks, let's just say Joe Burrows decided that he is going to stay in isolation for those two weeks. And the only thing he's going to do is obviously go to the bathroom and eat, but he is going to have his nose in the playbook. He's going to know every single play in and out. But he isolates himself to where it's just him in the playbook for two weeks. Doesn't talk to the coaches. Doesn't make it onto the field. I mean, he goes through the motions in his mind and he's going through it, but never touches the ball. Never talks to the players. Never runs through the plays. And the only time that he's going to engage with a football and his coach and his teammates is when he walks and steps foot on the turf tonight. Now you tell me if that team is going to succeed because he was isolated from the team that is going to get them to the win. And he was just solely focused on the plays. He was not in relationship with the team. And the same goes for us. We're a part of a team, a kingdom team. We cannot even, I mean, you may know the scripture back and forth. You may be able to quote more scriptures than anyone in this room. But if it's just the word that your nose is in and you don't have any relationship with God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you are what's called a religious person. You know religion, but you don't know the creator, the father of that religion you say you follow. Hello? Relationship was always designed to be, excuse me, relationship was always designed to be transactional. That's why God created the universe and put man and woman in it to where they literally had 24 
24-7 access to the Father. The Father was with them, within them, all around them. And sin severed that. Prayer. I want to focus just for a minute on prayer in relationship. How do we relate to the Father? Prayer. What is prayer? It's not just going through words and movements and bowing your heads and folding your hands at the dinner table. It's not that. It can be that. What it is is it's communication to your creator. Do you know him enough to be able to pray and just say, hey, God, it's me. Let's, let's look at the life of Jesus. I mean, let's, let's look at our model of what he did to abide in relationship with God. We have two forms of prayer I want to focus on today. Number one is quality time. Quality time. This is scheduled time. This is where you get off the radar and you push all distractions aside and you're with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, just you. It's scheduled. It's intentional. And it's sacred and holy and awesome. And Jesus did that. Let's just look at Mark 1. Follow this. This is just in Mark 1. This is a life in the day of Jesus. Mark 1. In the morning. Say the morning. He traveled to Capernaum. He went to the synagogue. He taught and he healed. Amazing miracle. Mark 1, verse 29 through 31, just a few verses down. In the afternoon, say afternoon, at Peter's house. So he travels to Peter's house. He pushes people away. He goes to Peter's sick mother-in-law who is dying, and he heals her. Miracle. Then in the evening, verse 1, 32 through 34, say evening evening all the sick were healed all all well he didn't heal heal everybody he did in this time when all the sick came he healed them can you imagine how many hours of a healing service that was he didn't leave until the last person was healed he cast out demons and the whole city say the whole city The whole city was at the door. The whole city was there. What a day. And it's not over. Because Mark 1, 35, after he was done, in the middle of the night, he went to a desolate place to pray. To the point where the disciples came so panicked and confused. And they said, Jesus, we've been looking all over for you. Where were you? He says, I was with the Father. Everyone's looking for you. How many people are looking for you that causes you not to pray and go off to desolation? My wife and I, we're going to create, we're going to, we know how to get rich. We're going to get rich. We're going to create a mommy and daddy jar. And whenever the kids say mommy or daddy, we put a quarter in the jar. We're going to be rich in one year, I think. Mommy, 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 daddy, 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 mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy, daddy. Right? How many distractions and people looking for you stopped you from being on mission? And this is quality time. 
Now, we're, we're going to talk in a minute about the moments that we're doing things and the moment that we're not just in the presence of God quietly and just still before him. But I want to give you practical today. Today, I'm calling this sermon title, Focus Forward Practical. I want you to be able to take these practicals and make them your own so that you will remain and abide and not be severed and withered as Jesus says. So just a few practicals for this quality time of just you and God. Number one, phone reminders. This is a blessing sometimes. Set a phone reminder. You set phone reminders for picking up your kids. You send phone reminders for taking the meat to thaw out of the, the freezer. You set reminders. Why can't you set a reminder to schedule your time with God? There's a Bible app, many Bible apps, but there's one called the One Minute, a One or Five Minute Pause by John Eldridge. One Minute Pause. It's an app. It literally will schedule how many times of the day you to take a one minute to five minute pause to be with the Lord. And it will guide you through a prayer. Pretty powerful. One minute pause app. Write that down. Write that down. I believe it's the one minute pause. And it's that important. I'm going to take the moment to show you. And I can't find it now. That's okay. That's how important it's on my phone. There's another app called the Worship Initiative Devotion, the Worship Devotion. It gives you a devotion for the day, and then it plays a worship song for you to be still with the Lord. It takes on average about six minutes. You have, there are thousands of apps on your phone to allow you to have quality time with God to where we don't have an excuse. What about journaling? Writing down what God is saying to you. You see, relationship is not just about talking. It's also about listening. And you get more out of the relationship when you learn to listen. Are you listening? So many of you can't stand silence because of our culture. But silence is a beautiful thing. What about fasting? If anything will cause you to get away, it's fasting, to understand your desperate need for God. Fast to breakfast this, lunch, this, this week and just sit alone with the Lord. Fast lunch, sit in your car, take a walk. Be intentional. And many of you, like myself, we put on music, worship, just softly so we can focus on God. So that's quality scheduled time. But there's another form of prayer, and that is mindful present time. That is mindful present time. The next slide, please. Praying without ceasing. That's what Paul said. Well, how do I pray without ceasing? You can. Every moment, every breath, every thought is Jesus is your first go-to. If you're a note taker, write that down. Jesus is your first go-to for everything. What's that look like? Looks like this. You just got promoted. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for opening that 
door. I trust you. You just got demoted. Jesus, I need you. Show me where to walk. You see an accident on the side of the road or ambulance or fire truck moving past you. Jesus, right now, be with those family members right now. Be present. Watch over the first responders. God, thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. What about something that angers you? Situation out of control. I have to learn, and I'm learning to get away and just say, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm controlling things that aren't mine to control. Take over. This is a moment-by-moment moment relationship with the Father. We live in a culture where marriages are failing left and right. Over 50% divorce rate. Why? I can tell you one of the reasons. We're not spending intimate, present time with our spouses anymore. I saw an image. I should have put it on the screen, but I saw an image of a husband and wife embracing. And in one hand of each embracing, they had a cell phone. We let things get in the way. And so often we devote that kind of investment in our relationship with God, which is just Sunday and Sunday. And maybe a couple times we think about him, we pull Jesus off the shelf, say, thank you, Jesus, put him back on and go our merry way. Jesus says, you're not going to bear fruit. You're not going to grow at all. Moment by moment. Let me leave this with you. The, the applications or the practicals for praying without ceasing. Make Jesus your first go-to. Try it this week. When something startles you or something grabs your attention, put a memo, a sticky note in your car, on your mirror, at your office and say, be present with Jesus. Whatever that looks like for you, be present. Someone screams on the phone to you at work. Jesus, thank you. I pray for the strength not to strangle them through the phone. Thank you. Whatever it may be, bring Jesus in to your life. Talk with him. Listen to him. Find joy with him. Be present with him and a constant awareness. I promise you, it will change your life. It will change your life. Are you going to be perfect at it? No. It's a process, but start somewhere. The second point of remaining is in his word. Is in his word. The opposite of the Joe Burrow situation or illustration I shared in the beginning. Can you imagine if Joe Burrow, the last two weeks in preparation, he never looked at a single play? But he was on the field, he was throwing the ball, and he was, he was having a great time. He was talking to the coaches, talking to the players, but never once ran a play, never once studied the play, knew the plays. Can you imagine when they get on the field tonight? They're not going to know what play to go. And when he calls a play, they're going to say, we, we didn't run that the last two weeks. 
All he does is talk about the big game, but he never looks to plays that are going to win them the big game. And we do that so often as Christians. We can talk the talk. We can talk Christianese. But when it comes to knowing the playbook, this is the playbook. We see this as Shakespeare, hard to understand. And a lot of commandments. Man, God is a strict God. Man, he's got a lot of rules. Guys, have you ever looked at this as a love letter? He loves you. He's got a plan for you. He wants you to thrive. And his commandments aren't burdensome. His commandments are for you to win the Super Bowl of your life. It's to win. It's not to burden you and slow you down and make you feel like worthless. It's to give you worth. And yet the majority of Christians don't know their place. They don't know how to respond in life. That needs to change in your life. Here's some practicals. A Bible app. You version. Look it up. Bible app. It's got reading plans. You can then look up other people who are in that app to hold you accountable and read the same plans. Your marriage struggling, they have marriage devotions on that app that you and your spouse can read together. Struggling with depression and loneliness, look up the plan for depression and loneliness, and it guides you through different devotions and scriptures. It's amazing. You see, you can rely on us to come together once a week. What are you doing to be in this from Monday through Saturday? Many of you, like me, I don't like reading. It's not that I just don't even like reading. I have a hard time comprehending what I read. So there are audio Bible apps. It's amazing. They read it for you. Dwell app is one that I can think of. You just listen to it. How about on your way to work, you turn the radio off and you turn the Bible app on. Let it be planted in your life because I promise you, the Bible itself says that when the word is planted in your life, it will bear fruit. So what are you putting in here will bear fruit. Guys, it's, it's just, it's intentional. It is discipline, but it's abiding and the joy and the fruit is going to come from it. The definition of insanity is you want to be growing in Jesus and yet you do the same thing over and over and expect different results. You gotta be in relationship with him, and you've got to be remaining in his word. Schedule reminders. Look up YouTube, the Bible project, different messages on maybe themes that you're going through or struggling with. So are you remaining in relationship with God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Ernie, I'm going to go to the final practical slide. We didn't cover the third point. But the last thing is, is are you remaining in the full reliance of the Holy Spirit? Not just Christ, your Savior, not just God the Father, not the Word, just the Word, but the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. 
And these are three practicals I just want to give you today. Will you give the Holy Spirit permission to move in your life? He's there. So often we lock him in a room underneath the stair step of our life. And then when we really need him, we unlock the door. The Holy Spirit is only going to take control, room, and precedence in your life when you give it to him. Will you give him space to move? Will you give him space in your life to move? Or do you always, always get in the way? Do other things, distractions. I tell you what, the devil knows when God is moving in your life and he will do whatever thing, whatever you can do, whatever he can do to distract you. That's why they say for pastors in your church, pray for them on Saturday. <laughs> Saturdays are our worst day of the entire week. It's because we're attacked. The enemy wants to distract me from focusing on bringing his word. There may be other days for you that, are, that you're just distracted and you're wrestling with it. You've got to hand the keys over to the Holy Spirit. You've got to give him control. And so as the band comes up, friends, I want to leave you with these three things. Number one is relationship with God takes intentional alone time as well as being present moment by moment. Don't disengage. This is the most important part of the message. Relationship takes intentional alone time as well as a moment by moment presence. Being in the word of God takes intentionality and self-discipline. Are you intentional and willing enough to call some brothers or call some sisters and say, will you hold me accountable once a week? Or would you do a reading of scripture, a Bible study with me? If this is really important, you will make it happen. And lastly, relying on the Holy Spirit takes consistent surrender. Would you stand for just a minute as we respond in worship? If you need to close your eyes to push out distractions, bow your heads, go ahead and do that. If you just need to look at the screen, do that too. What will you do this week? What will you do this week? One thing, don't complicate it, don't clutter it. One thing that you will do to have relationship with God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One thing, just one thing. Think of it, lock it in. One thing, maybe it's quiet time. Maybe it's morning devotional. Maybe it's sitting still with your cup of coffee in the morning. What is it? One thing. Second. How will you consume the word this week? What disciplines, what reminders, what routine do you need to implement in your week this week to make that happen? And thirdly, will you be so bold today to say, Jesus, 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, I give you permission to move in my life. Help me surrender every moment of every day to you. I want to open up the altar. I want to open up the tables for communion. I want to open up the sanctuary for us to respond to Jesus in worship. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.